Welcome, MMA fans, to uh, the Jack Daniels MMA Review. Uh, my name's Daniel, and I got my man Jack with me. Hello. This is going to be an opinion-based, free-flowing discussion. Uh, fair warning, this may contain foul language, which is to say we'll be swearing a lot. So, again, this is our first podcast. Thank you all for listening. Um, my name, again, Daniel. I have uh, been a fan of MMA from uh, way back in the 90s. Watched the very first one and liked it all the way since. I trained for a while um, in uh, Toronto under Carlos Newton. Had a great time. Had my head punched in enough, and now I've stopped training. Uh, Jack, he has been a fan for a long time as well. Yes. Uh, well, I originally started as a wrestling fan, but as a McGrew, I decided to get an appreciation for it. And uh, watching, let's start to say, Pride, and then later on to UFC... And then the little sprinter groups like Strike Force and such. Like I said, I got an appreciation for the sport, and now I'd like to review it. So, let's move on to the first uh, item up for business, which is the Versus card that just happened this last weekend. The headliner uh, was Dan Hardy versus Chris Lytle. Uh, ended with Chris Lytle scoring a submission victory in the third round by Guillotine Choke. It was Hardy's fourth loss in a row. And it was Chris Lytle's last fight as he retired at the end of the fight. I watched the fight, and Dan Hardy clearly was, at first, all gung-ho. And it, he seemed like he, he had an advantage over Lytle, where you know he had his kicks and such. But at some point in the match, he stopped using the kicks, and he wanted to go straight boxing with, with Chris Lytle, which was a strange choice. You know what? I wouldn't even have that big a problem if he did the straight boxing. But for the love of God, the man didn't throw a freaking jab. You know what? Your jab... Okay, look. Jab measures distance. Jab keeps your opponent from coming and throwing wild punches because he knows he's going to eat something every time he does it. Yeah, I, I think as the match went on, like, you can just clearly see, like, he, Hardy was getting outboxed by Lytle. Like like you said, Lytle was... Going but Lytle's to, not a boxer! Well, he certainly trained enough. You know, you know maybe he's a boxing 101 kick then because he got... You know, the standard shots in, the jabs, you know, straights, you know, uh, you know his, his whole repertoire was a right to the body, a left to the head. Okay, he did that maybe 30 to 50 times in the fight. What kind of boxer? Okay, okay, let's not call him a boxer. He's a kickboxer. Hardy's a kickboxer. How do you eat that many of the exact same freaking combo the whole damn fight? Simple. Uh, you think he could outbox the other guy, and uh, you, you try to beat him in his own game. I, for some reason, but this was Hardy's game. Well, he decided to switch the game up. He said, "I'm not a kickboxer anymore. I'm a boxer, and I can outbox this guy who clearly has, you know, maybe one year under boxing under his under his wing or whatever the case may be." Yeah, but he's not even a clean boxer. Like all the shots were big overhand punches. They were shots that you know. Let's face it. If you're in the gym training, your instructor is going to hit you upside the head for throwing those kind of punches. You're not looking at your opponent. Your feet aren't set properly. And that come, came through in the fact that, I mean, he landed quite a few shots on Hardy. And Hardy was not rocked at any point in the fight. I mean, when you land that many clear, open, overhead shots, you should rock your opponent. True. But at the same time, though, um, I see it as Dan Hardy... For whatever reason, he wanted to get the knockout, and like he, I don't think he thought you know 
getting you know those uh, kicks to the kicks to the leg, you know whatever the case may be, was spectacular enough. He wanted like the big KO, which was you know it's spectacular when you see it, but if you don't land it, and the other guy's clearly like getting more shots in than you, you look like a fool. And, and but you know what, I will give Hardy his due. I think uh, Lytle was rocked a couple times during that fight. I think um, at the last part of the round, well, like the third round, he he he. he he clearly tagged them, but that was only because fatigue set in for both men. But I'm, I'm also worried for Hardy. I mean, this is a guy who's, what, three, four fights off of a championship fight, which we can probably debate whether he should have had or not, but nonetheless. And he's got a guy, I mean, Lytle was rocked, and he didn't go after him. He didn't finish him. You know, there's this guy keeps running his mouth about what a killer he is. He puts his mohawk on to look like a badass. He wears those fang uh, mouthpiece teeth. And let's face it, that's the only bite he's got, because in the ring, he's got none. The guy's got a fucking roll-up hair, and go after that. If you got him rocked and hurt, and you're losing the fight, you got to fucking go for it. Well, I agree on that, but at the same time, though, like, Lytle retired after this fight, and uh, Dan Haley lost this fight. So, Lytle had nothing to win or lose in this case. He just, you know, one last hurrah, but Hardy clearly the loser in this situation, and I guess he's, I guess, since... UFC owns everything but Bellator. He's going to Bellator. Well, I mean, they've said that he's apparently not going to be released. Uh, Dana said he likes guys that uh, fight and put on a good show. So apparently four losses in a row is not enough to cut him. Um, but at the same time, I mean, Hardy just... I mean, he needs to be really disappointed with this performance. There's absolutely no excuse for it. Like you said, he had a bang on. I mean, Lytle wasn't fighting for anything. Yeah. Hardy was fighting for his job. And Dan, you could have fooled me while I was watching. Him. Yes, you know the the other thing that I think for Hardy is he uh, just his technique. You know, I'm I was very surprised. Hardy does usually have good technique, but in this case, he just got in in his head in or out of the game or whatever it was, and he wasn't sitting on his punches. He didn't have his feet set. He was just winging these punches. They were arm punches, and you're just not going to get the power that you need unless you lose your legs. Maybe uh, it may be a factor here, but perhaps, you know, the pro-America crowd may have taken a go. Oh, sweet. They were like, they, come on, man. Like, when some, when a whole crowd's against you because you're British or wherever the hell. You know, he should be fucking used to it by now. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Like, when people are yelling at you and you're in that, I don't know. I can't, I can't speak for Hardy. That might throw me a bit, you know, you know, but. You know, first of all, Hardy's a big boy. And wasn't his uh, his loss to was it Carlos Condit who beat him in in England? Fuck, I don't remember. I I remember he hit the math for that one. But you know what? You can't you can't let the crowd booing affect you in any way, man. That's come on. You're a professional fighter. This is your job. Again, you're fighting for your job. Three losses in a row, and you're gonna say, "Oh, the crowd psyched me out." Come on, man. Seriously. And uh, although I do wonder, do you think the weight cut affected him? It might have, you know, I don't, I don't know, if, I know for sure, like, anytime you, from what I've read, when you make any type of weight cut, when it's a drastic one, or not, like, during your training, I mean, it affects you, you can't just, like, you can't, you, you can't go in there, like, you know, I'm good to go, you know, you gotta feel a little bit weak, and especially, like, I remember, during the weigh-ins, he was over, I don't know how, but maybe by a pound or such, like, imagine him, he didn't... That means he'd have to be sweating it off or what may have you to get rid of that pound. I, I think if only he had to come back uh, for a second wing. Not not a second wing, but a third wing is when yeah. he finally made it. 
So he was still cutting hours after Lytle was recharging. Yeah. And like most fighters, once they make the the weight, the the uh, make weight. I mean, like at that point, they just start eating and like just get normal for that one day and that one night, uh, one night before the fight. So that might affect it. And uh, apparently, Hardy does that a lot, though. I've heard that Hardy actually uh, is one of the biggest like last minute weight cutters. So uh, although I don't know, his energy looked good. He didn't look like he was tiring any more than Lytle. Yeah. So I don't know about that, but. Well, maybe it uh, maybe that was the reason his uh, lack of uh, brains kicked in, and he went for a take. Then. Either case, you know, we didn't get to see you know commercial breaks and such. I don't think I saw anything. Like maybe I'm pretty sure maybe his corner was yelling at him. Why aren't you throwing kicks? Why aren't you going to the basics? We're taunting, taught you. Why are you throwing with this fool? You're not winning. Well, I mean, his corner did tell him after two rounds that you're behind on the cards. You got to do something in the third. So in the third, he decided to go get his face punched in a bit, as per usual for the rest of the fight. And then he's like, okay, now you explain how this fucking goes to me. So he's standing there. He's like, all right, I've lost the first two rounds. I'm 50-50, although probably losing this third round. Why don't I go stick my head in for a takedown against a guy who's a jiu-jitsu expert whose best move is the guillotine? Because he, re- he, he as you recall in the beginning of this, a uh, little rant uh, that uh, he clearly thought that he was dealing with a boxing master. And uh, therefore, he did not know that he was going to get guillotined, you know, in, 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 in his first shoot of the fight. So, okay, first of all, it's guillotine. Guillotine right. choke. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. So, guillotine well, my point is, come on, man. Seriously. All you are is a kickboxer, and you're dumb enough to go to the ground with a guy who can finish you in 10 seconds. I'm and sure. oh my god, it took him 10 seconds. He probably thought, like, in the last... Well, that's what all fighters think. When you get in the last couple of seconds of the last round, you, you feel like, you know, they got nothing, you got nothing left, so just swing for the fences. And unfortunately, in this case, clearly Lytle had a lot left. <laughs> to, enough enough uh, wherewithal to, like, cinch that uh, guillotine, and uh, that was it. Uh, but he didn't even have it, Jack. He was on the bottom. He had the guillotine from the bottom. He was being taken down. He managed to reverse it with what I can only assume must have been Hulk-like strength. Because for the love of God, that's hard to do from that position. And then not only that, but he actually managed to mount him with no resistance. What the fuck? Like, he was... Well, he's tired. You have to remember. After swinging those wild punches, the entire like the entire fight, you gotta be fucking tired at that point. I mean, can you... Can you I, I don't... I mean, I, I blame him for like his entire game plan. Like, I'm pretty sure... You know, his, his coach in his, in his corner were going nuts. Like, what the fuck's going on with Hardy? Dan, what are you fucking doing? Well, no, it was... Uh, who was it? Oh, maybe this explains it. Big Country was in his corner. Oh, well, I don't, I'm not going to blame Big Country on this. He just, you know, he's not... He, you can call Big Country a lot of things, but uh, I don't think he's, like, the type of guy who's... I don't like, know. After the Dos Santos fight, he, uh, he called him a punching bag, and he seems to have trained Dan Hardy quite well in that. But uh, anyway, so moving on from there, yeah, that's uh, the long and short of it is apparently Dan Hardy, after four straight losses, is not going to be cut uh, because apparently Dana White uh, needs uh, British fighters. I mean, Dana White said that he needs uh, guys who leave it out there. Anyway, so we move on to the next fight um, of the card, which was a very, very exciting fight between uh, Ben Henderson and Jim Miller. Mm-hmm. Man, that was a beatdown. Yes, uh, first, you can tell, you know, both guys were 
learn to go, and they put up a good fight in the first few rounds. But clearly, Ben Henderson, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's like when you when you first saw John Jones break into the into the UFC, like he just had natural ability. He was clearly better than everybody in the ring. They put up, they put him across from him. Like, well, but I wish I could say that about Henderson, but he's not that guy because he lost to Anthony Pettis. Yes, so he's already lost the fight with the impressive Showtime kick. But I mean, come on, Jim Miller was a guy. He was on an eight-fight win streak. He's thirteen and two. His only two losses have been against Gray Maynard and Frankie Edgar. And this guy was basically, I mean, he was getting the title shot if he won this fight. And he got beaten like a rented mule. With this, how much of an age gap was there? Like, I, I, I got the impression Henderson was younger than Miller. Well, he is younger than Miller. But and what? and did you see? Did you have you compared him? Comparing comparing the two men, like I'm, I'm pretty. They're both in good shape, but the man Henderson, he has the tree. He has tree trunk legs. Like that is just. Le- that's just leg strength that's beyond Miller's can't comprehension. Yeah, but this wasn't a race to the top of the staircase. No, but it, it helps. An MMA fight. It helps because, you know, especially, you know, when it went to the... Most of the time it was on the ground. And, like, to credit, credit to Jim Miller, he was going... He was looking for the submission the entire time. And, like, Henderson, like, he did everything in his power to avoid the, those submissions. And not only that, he made him pay for every attempt. Yeah, you know what? That is true. I do have to give it to Henderson for, uh, you know, when uh, when Miller went for the leg, committed both hands to the leg, he ate a few pink punches. But that actually brings me to an interesting question. When I was watching the fight, I noticed in the second round, Miller had Henderson with a leg lock. And uh, it didn't look particularly dangerous. It didn't look that deep. But at one point, Henderson actually turned to the ref and said, I'm okay, I'm okay. Now, that kind of shit just pisses me off. Because you know what? This is a fight... The ref's supposed to be there to stop the fight at the right time. You don't need to be telling the ref when to stop it or when to not stop it. It actually bothers me a lot that fighters have to turn to the ref and say, I'm okay, I'm okay. I mean, what is your take on this? I think it's it's hard to say because when you're in, the, when you're in fights, I mean, like, your adrenaline's kicking and you don't know, you know, you're not seeing what the ref's seeing. Like, for example, for all we know, like... If Henderson was in a bad position, like let's say, like his leg was, his knee was about to pop, and like the ref is, the ref is seriously looking at it from the overhead. He's seeing it's happening. If if this was happening in the fight, you know, you'd have to ask Henderson. Listen, like you know, do you want to give it up at least? Uh, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to happen all the time. I mean, I think I, this hurt me to me. That was the first time I've ever saw that happen. You know, I've seen it happen before, and I actually see it happen quite a bit. Um, and my problem is. You're right. If the guy's in a bad position, you know, but if he's in a bad position, he should be tapping or the joint or the or, or the bone goes. If he's not in a bad position, then you know what? He should just struggle to get out of it. He shouldn't have to worry about talking to the ref. And let's face it. If the ref is not in a position to see the hold, now we're back to bad refing. <laughs> Always a contentious uh, argument there. Um, I think maybe like when you see, I think maybe... That's more like, you know, ref's instinct there or like after watching, you know, X amount of fights. You, you see a, a situation like that happen, you know, you, you you wonder yourself, you know, the last time I've seen this, you know, this, this particular hold, you know, someone's leg got broke or someone's like ligaments got ripped apart. I mean, like at least I should ask. Maybe, maybe that's, that's what happened. Maybe a younger referee or like a new referee wouldn't ask such a question, but who was refereeing that one? 
Uh, I, I don't remember, but you know, I don't think it was even that. I think it's a matter of, you know, maybe it's a matter that these fighters are afraid of the ref stopping it early. Oh, well, no doubt. I mean, like, many times, you know, I think the the point of the fight is, like, especially nowadays with the judging, I mean, like, they don't want, to, they don't want the judges making, their call, making the call in their fights. And they did, certainly don't want the ref making the call, you making a bad call in a fight. I mean, like, I'm guessing that's probably, you know, again, goes back to the referee's discretion. I mean, like, you know, the ref can either stop it right there and say, listen, this leg's, this leg's coming off, you know, and the guy's not going to tap. He's never going to tap. Even if you pull his leg completely off, he's not tapping. So maybe I should just, like, ask him. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a very tough Okay, but when it comes to asking him, so best example is years back when Tim Sylvia got his arm broke by Frank Mir. He said he was fine, and the ref said, your arm's broke. So, the ref shouldn't be listening to the fighter anyway. I mean, that's the perfect example. A real fighter isn't going to say, yeah, yeah, I'm hurt, get me out of here. He's going to say, fuck, if I can keep this going, I'll fight him one-handed if I have to. Not that I'm calling Tim Sylvia a real fighter, I am in fact not. (laughs) But, just to make my point, I'm saying, like, that was a guy who was actually injured, and the ref stopped it, even though the guy was saying, I'm fine. So, these guys don't need to turn to the ref and say, hey, I'm okay, or I'm not okay, or whatever. I mean, if the guy wants to tap, the guy wants to tap, fine. But to tell the ref I'm okay, the ref should be seeing that. And that's also the case for, like, any time, you know, when you when someone gets a choke on somebody, or that rear naked, or whatever may have you. Uh, tap like a bitch. I mean, yeah. <laughs> tap like a bitch or sleeve like a man. That's the old phrase that uh, I gathered from the Ultimate Fighter, if you don't know that line. I think it was Ed Herman. Yeah. Ed Shortfuse Herman, who chose to pass out like a man a few times. Yes. You know, the, the guy I'm really surprised who was in this card, who should have been the prelims, was Oliveira. Oliveira, you know, he's, he's actually had, uh, you know, he, he seemed like a bit of a rising star. Um, but they gave, definitely gave him a a real test than Donald the Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, this guy, you know, he hasn't won every fight he's been in, but uh, he's never really looked that weak to me in any fight. He's never know. looked like he's ever been outclassed before. I think he was outclassed before. I, he was caught in a similar, similar situation where, like, in the last fight, I think he was caught in the same uh, leg lock, sent to, the same leg lock. But, uh, in this one, in this fight against Donald Cerrone, we didn't really have to worry about... Uh, anyone tapping because uh, but again I don't know why this man was in this per- on the mid card he should have been at least in the prelims because he he's lost he's lost major cards and I don't think he's 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 good for the prelims but he's not good enough for uh huh are you talking about Oliveira yeah Oliveira Oliveira's been on a streak buddy has he I, last fight we saw him he, was, he lost the fight I remember that yeah that is actually true he lost to a Jim Miller by knee bar good call there yeah um and then he had a no contest against Nick Lentz, and then uh, this lost to Cerrone. But, uh, yeah, you know, you actually are right. I mean, um, clearly, you know. But I, I don't know. For me, Cerrone, just a far superior fighter. Um, and the one thing that I really liked is that uh, when his corner told him, you know, you're not throwing enough kicks, you're not throwing enough punches, uh, he listened to them. There was one time in the fight where his corner literally yelled at him, you know, you got to throw a straight jab. Literally half a second later, he throws a straight jab and catches Cerrone. I mean, this guy, he listened to his corner, he followed the game plan, and just that, I mean, that punch to the body that caved him in, uh, that was beautiful. <laughs> okay. Of, uh, Rashad's shot against Tito. 
even though Rashad got a little more leverage with the knee mm-hmm. in that one. But uh, I mean, that was more of a was it, that was more of a, like a body like hook. There was a hook. Uh, yeah, Cerrone's was more of a body hook. Rashad's was a knee. But both of them seem to be just just above the abs and kind of in the solar plexus area that they love to talk about in uh, in wrestling. I know. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that part is actually not as well protected as you might think. You can actually, you can really feel those punches. You can't block as well against them. Isn't, like, they teach a special technique, like, you know, at least, like, to, like, brace for it? Well, you generally flex into a shot that's coming into the ribs or coming into any real part of your body. In your, uh, like, below your pecs and above your abs, you do kind of have a space there where there's not that much, other than one big honk and massive bone that's your sternum that's kind of, yeah. you know, blocking it there. So, I mean, I can believe there's a lot of pain. I've never been hit there hard enough to really go down or, or to feel winded or anything. I mean, I've been hit in the gut when I didn't flex into it, and I went down like a pile of bricks. But, uh, you know, in this one, you know, more power to him. Cerrone finished it. Very impressive. Um, first round TKO, and uh, he actually won uh, um, knockout of the night for that one. So he got himself a cool 65k for that one. In terms of the other, uh, hmm. um, the other uh, awards for the night, um, Chris Lytle won for submission of the night, obviously, and then he also won along with uh, Dan Hardy a 65k for the fight of the night. So Hardy um, loses the fight but makes an extra 65k, and Chris Lytle, congratulations to him, uh, great fighter. Uh, final record of 31, 18, and five. He retires on a win. With a fight of the night and a submission of the night bonus, adding up to 130k. Uh, well done. And the last note that I did have on this fight was I love free TV MMA. I love watching it. It's great. And I don't usually mind the commercials as much, but I swear to God, the boss rooting body action system. <laughs> yes. Come on, man! Like it was at every commercial. And seriously, if I see boss. Hitting one more inanimate object, I think I'm gonna have to kill myself. Well, boss needs to make money. Like, I, you know, HD. Uh, what is what is uh, his short H- HD net? HD net. I wish it doesn't pay enough because if he's doing these type of commercials, I mean, like that's that's this is akin to like you know a Chuck Norris doing the total body work, total body system or whatever that thing is called. Yeah, but Chuck Norris does not have Kimbo Slice featured in his in, in his uh, commercial. That's true, but you know, Boss Rudin, like he's he's known to do these kind of things. If you, everyone's known about his his videos, his self defense videos on YouTube, you know. Yeah, yeah, and everybody knows about his beautiful ears and how he criticizes every other MMA fighter in the world for having cauliflower ears when he was smart enough to stick a needle in them all the time. Lovely. Yeah, oh, speaking of uh, speak. Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah. You you mentioned before. Uh, what's his name? Kimbo Slice was in that commercial, wasn't he? Kimbo Slice was in that commercial, and a quick Kimbo Slice note to all those fans out there who know that he's uh, the second coming of who knows who. Um, he uh, he managed his, to get a win in his first official boxing match. That's excellent. Um, he fought um, a Titan by the name of James Wade, who came in with an ever-impressive 0-1-1 record. And... Uh, Kimbo knocked him out in about 10 seconds, one punch, it was over. Um, yeah, thanks for coming out, buddy. It was a great fight. Totally worth not seeing. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the other fights that happened on the weekend, there was a Strike Force card with the uh, headliner being George Gurgel versus Joe Duarte. 
Mm. Um, Gurgel, I mean, this guy, he was, uh, you know, when he was on The Ultimate Fighter, he looked great. He was uh, bosom buddies with uh, Rich Franklin, and uh, those guys seemed inseparable. I actually saw a picture of them together in a tub. That was kind of disturbing. Anyway. Well, people uh, get crazy in that house. No, no, this wasn't in the house. This was by choice, like, two years ago or something. It's very disturbing. I know. One of you, one of those Twitter pics or what it may have you, like, so, yeah, something like, like look that. at us. So uh, more power to them for wanting to do whatever it is that they were doing under the water there. Either way, George Gurgel, uh, I don't know, man. This guy, we keep hearing about the fact that he's a jujitsu black belt. He's the guy who taught Rich Franklin everything he knows on the ground in MMA, I assume. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, he came in and he was basically talking that he's not going to let this be a boxing match. He's going to take him down. He's going to impose his will. And, I mean, you saw the fight, Jack. I, mean, I saw the fight. And, yeah, there was no, there was no imposing of will on this fight. Uh, at best, it was uh, dancing. Is that as best if I can put it? They were dancing, trying to get a shot here or there. Clearly striking. Uh, if there were any attempts, it wasn't by Gorgel. It was the other guy who was giving the shoot, uh, trying to get the shoot in. And... Not a very exciting fight. Uh, Just not very exciting. And, and Gurgel, I mean, George, you know, if you'd ever listen to me, I'd, I'd tell you to never throw another punch again. I mean, you're, you got a lot of heart, man. You've clearly been working on it. You look better than you used to. But your bread and butter is, is the ground game. And, you know, I, I hate to see you losing the whole time. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, you, you got to get your fighting together. You got to start winning some of these fights. Being an exciting fighter is great. You know, I know Chris Lytle went that route, said, forget the ground. I'm going to stand and trade because I want to be exciting. And he's done great, but the difference is he's actually won some fights. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Brigel is not exactly Dan Hardy-esque with the uh, mohawk and stuff. So, yeah, no, yeah. He, he doesn't have the personality. He doesn't have... Uh, Everything else that'll come along with keeping him in while he's losing. So, well, he's in strike force. So, as soon as uh, yeah, but he's in strike force. If he's losing strike force, where does he go? Bellator. Even Bellator will want him. Bellator will have him. Well, at a discount. Let's say that a discount. Yeah. Discount. Yeah. Okay. Look. Fuck. These guys made chump change for these fights. Okay. So less. Joe Duarte made six thousand dollars for the fight. Three to fit. Three to show and three to win. And George Gurgel made $5,000 in a loss. Dude, this guy was fighting on the card for UFC. He was fighting on the televised portions for UFC. He's fighting on the main card, and now the guy's making five grand in strike force, losing, and he's going to get busted down in Bellator for what? He's going to fight for what? Half a ham sandwich? I mean, this guy's got to get his fucking act together. Uh, and uh, this fight, you know, this, this results might do that for him. If you're not winning fights and you're in, you're in UFC slash Strikeforce, uh, we don't need you. And uh, we don't want to pay you, you know, even even if it is just, you know, not even not even a month's rent. We don't want to pay you that much. So good luck, George Gazelle. Uh, hopefully uh, hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll land on your feet and uh, hopefully you'll get that second job to cover all your plane costs and... Uh, you know, next time you have to fly into San... Wherever they have to... Wherever they have the Bellator fights. I don't even... Where are these Bellator fights happening? I don't even know. They have them at uh, casinos across the country. Uh, oh, there you go. So, so, like, you know, he can take, you know, half his winnings and go into the casino and hopefully he'll double. 
Well, if his luck in the <laughs> ring has shown us anything, it's that he should not be a gambling man. <laughs> well, so anyway, so that is our wrap-up of the fights from last weekend. We're uh, more than happy to talk about any other fights that anybody uh, had question about or had a thought about. Feel free to email us about them. Uh, we're basically just going to review kind of the more interesting fights or the headline fights. Uh, we're trying to keep the show nice and short. So uh, here we go to the upcoming card. I guess the upcoming card is not this weekend, but the one after. It will be UFC 134 in Rio with the headlining event being Anderson Silva against Yushin Okami. Uh, my take on the on the top of the card, uh, Anderson, simply because Anderson has proven time and time again that no one in that division is even close to beating him. You know, unless, unless there's some... Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on. For all of his, uh, you know... Hilarious speak and um, lack of steroid issues and whatever the hell else he's got. Chael Sonnen put a pretty good beating on the guy. Chael Sonnen didn't win the fight. And you know why he didn't win the fight? Because he can't defend a fucking submission. He can't defend a basic submission. Tell me, just just for, you know, old time's sake, triangle choke. What is that in the echelon of chokes? Like, is that the... How you know? What's the difficulty? Range of difficulty in that. Range of difficulty to do from the bottom. If you're actually on the bottom, in all honesty, it's a pretty tough one. Just because, I mean, everyone sees it coming. You know, in general, the way you gain a submission is you kind of go for one, transition to another, and hope to catch them in the third. You know, you never get the one that you're going for. But really, I mean, the triangle is kind of one where. You know, if if he's got one leg under one arm and one leg on the shoulder, you got to get out of there. You got to put the ar- other arm in. Like this is not rocket science. This isn't tough to know. It's just not a good position to be in. You know, I mean, any real serious fighter is going to know that. So yeah, I take a look at a guy like Chael Sonnen and I say, you know, this guy he needs some serious help. He's not a top-notch fighter. Just like I look at a guy like Fedor. And I say, he's not a serious fighter. He needs some fucking help. Because Buddy got caught in, what, 70 seconds by a UFC cast-off in a fucking triangle. Let's not speak, let's not speak ill of a, me- a dead man's career. Uh, oh, yeah, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll get to his career soon. That's, but, you know, I actually think Yushin Okami might have a shot. I mean, technically, Okami is the last guy to have beaten Anderson Silva. Which is to say, Okami got knocked out by Anderson Silva's illegal upkick. But apparently Anderson Silva's kind of pissed about it because he thinks Okami was embellishing to uh, get the W. But nonetheless, Silva's so last said. recorded loss on his record was to Yushin Okami. Well, like I said, very dubious, very dubious. And, you know, what makes things interesting, well, I think I just learned tonight from my esteemed uh, colleague, is that uh, for some reason, Chael Sonnen has decided to become the manager of Yushin Okami. For some reason, I don't know why. And he's going to be at the corner. So, well, I don't know if he's at the corner. What I do know is that he's apparently been oh. training him. Oh, and you been know helping, he's there. Been helping him uh, with his trash talk. So uh, it's, it looks like Chael Sonnen's going to get some uh, protégés in that department. But uh, anyway, so we'll talk more about this fight and uh, the other fights on the UFC 134 card in Rio next week. Again, if you want us to talk about any other upcoming fights... Uh, please just send us an email and we will include them on any podcast that you'd like. Um, it's no problem. Now we'll switch over to the news of the week, things that have kind of come up. 
interesting, worth noting, shit that we just kind of want to talk about. Uh, heard a pretty good one today. Apparently, Nate Marquardt thought it was his place to uh, tell BJ Penn to shut it. Uh, as you all know, probably BJ uh, talked some shit about uh, Nate Marquardt's, uh, uh, what is it, his testosterone replacement therapy, uh. and called him a cheat. So Marquardt uh, basically said that a guy who smokes pot all the time shouldn't be commenting on other people's drug stuff. Well, I gotta say... When it comes to that kind of shit, I think Mark Horch, uh, I don't believe any, you know, you shouldn't, con- you shouldn't, like, compare pot to testosterone. That's, come on, that's a big of a stretch. Whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on, hold you're on. Not, you, you're allowed to talk shit about testosterone, basically, that's enhancing your performance. Pot does not whoa, enhance your just performance. Just to talk, you know, on, on a devil's advocate here, at the end of the day, if BJ Penn is smoking the ganja... And BJ, we are not saying you are. Allegedly. We do not want to get sued. For the love of God, we don't have yeah. the money. Marquardt um, allegedly says Marquardt says that BJ does. And if BJ does, that is technically an illegal substance. Whereas Marquardt, if it's prescribed by a doctor, and I'm no expert, but apparently if it's prescribed by a doctor, you can use it. You can use it, but at the same time, it's, it's, very, it's not a very clear-cut, like, uh, it's one of those... I hate to say it, more like, you know, designer steroids where, like, you know, it just flies under the radar because it's not exactly classified as such. I, I mean, hopefully there's more going to be more studies on on these uh, on these testosterone replacement therapies or these drugs. But, like, come on, man. It's smoking pots. I mean, like, for all we know, for all we know, allegedly, BJ Penn has one of those cards he gets in California where you're allowed to smoke pots. So, well, I mean, hey, don't, don't kid yourself. Nick Diaz had that fight against Gomi thrown out for being on the uh, happy smoke. So, you know what? Apparently, the commission takes that pretty seriously, too. So, I don't know. I don't know what BJ or Mark Ward do, and I don't have the legal fees to speculate any more than we already have. Yes, and you're just speculating. We're not accusing or anything. So, uh, in other news, uh, Manny Gambirian has been uh, taken out of his fight at UFC 135. Apparently, he... uh, he picked up a pot of coffee and threw his shoulder out again. <laughs> fuck, man. This guy, like, <laughs> three times the charm, right? <laughs> this is the third time his, his shoulder has gone out like this. It, which begs the question, you know, maybe his shoulder is not into the fight game anymore. Maybe he wants it out. You know what? And it is really sad, but it may be that Manny Gambirian just, just can't stay in the game because that ligament may just be too weak. I mean, in general... It'll never regain the strength that it originally had. But, you know, I mean, his shoulder came out while he was going for a shoot in a fight. Like, you know, that's just normal wear and tear. Like, if you can't, if you're not up to that, then uh, I I really, we we hope uh, Manny recovers quickly. And uh, we hope, I don't know, you you get that fixed somehow. Yeah, but, you know, probably perhaps it's time to, like, look for other avenues. But clearly... Training, like you said, training is just a bit much for his body. Maybe his body is not designed for that kind of wear and tear. You know, not everyone's built for the fights. He he is a strong guy, though. I mean, he's apparently, by all um, measures, apparently guys who roll with him say he's very strong and that he's got, you know, a lot of power and everything. But, I mean, it looks like his body is letting him down. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's time for him to get going. Uh, Next item up for business is... uh, the rumors of a Lyoto Machida-Phil Davis fight. We won't talk about it too much, but what do you think, Jack? 
Uh, well, Leona Machida has not been impressive. Not so much. Uh, Phil Davis... Uh, what do you mean not impressive? Uh, he knocked out a 46-year-old. How many times... When was the last time you said you beat up a senior citizen? You know, say, you know, you know prayer, prayers go out to Randy Couture's family for that one. And his tooth. Yes, you know, but... You know, Leona Machida, you know, he has that cool Steven Seagal kick. And, you know, and, and you know... Sifu step uh, Sifu uh, Seagal must have been very proud when he used that kick. Same goes for Anderson Silva. That's the same kick he used to win the last fight too. But you know, I don't think Phil Davis is going to be the type of you know Randy Couture because Randy Couture, I, I was there. That, that was in Toronto for all for all for all who don't know. That was the Toronto fights. Uh, it was last fight ever, which I felt very privileged to be there just to see that last fight. But clearly, Randy Couture was not. There, there. I mean, like, he was there to fight, but I don't think he had the same fire, like, when he was fighting, let's say, uh, that uh, that giant guy. What's his name? Tim Silva. Tim Silva, yes. Before that, uh, when he fought Brock Lesnar. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. When he didn't have the same fire when he fought Tim Sylvia, when he fought Brock Lesnar, when he fought... Uh, the Tin Man. Oh, Gabriel Gonzaga. Okay, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He, he when he fought against the Tin Man, Gabriel Gonzaga. Well, I mean that is true. I mean the, he he got his arm broken. Tour got his arm broken by uh, one of Nepal's kicks, and uh, he managed to still finish the fight. Although I think that has more to do with uh, Gonzaga's heart than uh, Randy Couture. But nonetheless, Couture is an amazing specimen. Uh, congratulations to him. Uh, with Leonardo Machida, I agree. I think Phil Davis is going to be a tough fight for him. If the fight should happen, I think uh, Phil Davis probably has more athleticism. And uh, I say the over-under on uh, on Joe Rogan calling Machida elusive will be at about 50. <laughs> yeah, if you want a fun drinking game, just drink every time he says the word elusive on the, on the telecast. A special shot if he says unorthodox. Oh, God, you'll be drunk in 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> Joe Rogan. On to, on to other news. So Alistair Overeem, is the drama surrounding him is just keeps going. Apparently, the UFC or Strikeforce, uh, Zufa, the parent company, whatever you want to call it, um, did not cut him. Um, they just terminated his contract, but he's not cut. I personally don't understand what the hell is going on. Bottom line is Dana said he's interested in bringing him in. And Boss Boone, who's the guy who uh, runs a Golden Glory gym where Alistair Overeem and a whole bunch of people train, he said he's willing to redo the contracts in the way that uh, the UFC wants them, where they pay the fighters instead of paying the gym. So uh, hopefully we can see Alistair come into the UFC and take the step that Federer never had the balls to take. <laughs> and uh, In case you didn't notice, my friend's real biased against Fedor. He doesn't think all the hoopla is well-deserved. I feel otherwise, but... Again, I, I, I point out my, to my friend always that, you know, his glory days were, you know, Again, long ago. Why? A long time ago. And, like, you know, right now, it's like, I, I like him to Randy Couture. You know, he's had his fights. He's had his time. And now it's time is okay, over. Okay, Jack, come on. Let's, let's be serious here. Fedor is 34 years old. Don't compare him with Randy Couture, who the peak of his career was at, like, 40. Fedor was 34 years old. The guy fought legitimate fighters in pride, but he always fought one-dimensional guys. He always fought guys who had one thing they were good at. When he comes up against a complete fighter or a guy he can't impose his will on or a guy who's not a chump, he can't beat him. And I say 
that's just the evolution of the sport. You know, chump, you, you try turning a, you try finding a chump these days in in the fight game. You'd be pretty hard pressed to find. You know, I'll give you, I'll give you even the weakest that. guy. The weakest guy in UFC is probably like well, well more versed than the average uh, the average guy that Fader used to fight in his heyday. Let, but that's see. the point. Everybody who sits around and saying, "Oh, you know, Fedor is such a great fighter," Fedor, you know, in his day, but in his day, he was fighting guys who today wouldn't be considered great fighters, and you know, who we wouldn't be saying, "Oh, you know, this guy, he's amazing." This guy, you know, but like, but okay, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, that's again, that's just evolution of the of the, okay. of, the of MMA. I mean, you can't you can't compare. Yesterday's fighters, today's fighters. You like you can't compare today's fighters to future fighters. Like John Jones is a perfect example. That man, he's not even what like you've mentioned. You mentioned him a couple of times. He was only in the fight game for four years, not even, and he managed to win the damn freaking title in that right. short time. But the point is, is you know, Fedor never fought in the UFC, and I'm not even saying you have to fight in the UFC, but you have to fight the cream of the crop. And Fedor just did. I'm going to give you the best example. And this is one that not, not many people bring up. There's this guy named Jason Reinhardt. And if you're a UFC fan, you've seen him fight. He's fought in the UFC three times and lost all three fights. But I've actually watched him fight outside the UFC. I've watched him fight in various promotions. His UFC record is zero wins and three losses. His record outside the UFC is 20-0. and 0. This guy is the perfect example. If you don't fight the best, you can get a perfect record. When you step up in competition, you might not be able to beat him. And look, at the end of the day, I think Fedor is the one who hurt himself. Because he lost to Fabricio Werdum, not because he doesn't know how to defend a submission, but because he's been fighting Trump so often that he hasn't had to work on his submission defense, that he's got no fear of going into a guy's guard. Shit, you should be afraid of going into Werdum's guard. The guy's good. It's what he does. He won the, the championship. He won the world championship on it in, in jiu-jitsu. I mean, you don't just flop into his guard like Fedor loves to do because these guys are going to punish you for it. So, you know, anyway, we've gotten off track on yes. Fedor, but, uh, yes, yes. Never mind. but Fedor did come up this week and did manage to offer his, uh, his two cents on the fight that he lost, saying that... Uh, he feels that the fight should have been continued, which I, I believe he should have. I mean, I think he was out cold. All I ask is if the referee had given a little discretion, given five more seconds, we would have gotten. A, I mean, like the way it ended, like it wasn't like Fedor was like defending at some. Point. No, Fedor was not defending during the he period was rocked when he was unconscious. He was rocked. I don't call him unconscious. He he got he got he got he got he got he used he used he the rocked. Block your fall with your face on the mat technique. Yeah, but if he had completely gone, completely knocked out. But he was out. He only came to because he got punched in the head by Dan Henderson again and again. He was out. He was okay. You know what? I want As everybody who's listening to this, please email in and let us know: Was Fedor out cold and then he came to, or was he just I don't know playing possum with his ass in the air? Like my friend Jack here says, <laughs> and the fight should have been continued. So feel free to weigh in on that one. I would love to know what other people think. Right. Uh, moving on, apparently news is that Nick Diaz has decided 
um, to improve his boxing. He's now working with uh, Andre Ward, a boxing champ, uh, getting ready for the GSP fight. So at the very least for his boxing side of his training, he's going to be uh, training with obviously uh, an amazing fighter. I'd say that uh, you know it's obviously great. Nick Diaz has some uh, fantastic stand-up. He's, uh, he's obviously just going to improve it, fighting a guy like Andre Ward. And uh, this would probably be a lot more significant if GSP hadn't been doing this like five years ago. So, uh, Nick, I'm really sorry. I just don't think you have a chance in this fight. Um, but he has a puncher's chance, but that's a very weak one. And, uh, you know, GSP, he's very good, but at the same time, I don't know, for some reason, I hope he doesn't try to outdo, out, he doesn't try to outdo Nick Diaz. You know, I think I, I would like to see a little change from the last couple of fights. Lately, he's been trying to, like, out-maneuver out the, 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 the guy he's fighting across from. Like, he tried to out-wrestle, what's his name? Dan, uh, Hardy. Dan Hardy. He tried to outbox out of, for some reason, Josh Koscheck. Uh, well, that's because Josh Koscheck's game's on the ground. Yeah. He's doing the smart thing. He's going for his opponent's weakness, and therefore, he's able, I mean, he's better at his opponent's weakest point, therefore he goes for that. My fear in this fight is, he's not going to finish Nick Diaz, and Diaz... He hasn't, fought, he hasn't finished anyone, let's just be clear. He, the last guy he's finished, from what I remember, was uh, Matt Sierra, and that was only because he had something to prove, because, like, Matt Sierra took him out, and that, you know, fluke shot out of nowhere. Okay, he took out Matt Sierra because Matt Sierra didn't wasn't man enough to hold his jock strap, all right? He won with a lucky punch, and that was just a horrible, horrible... Yeah, but at least he finished the fight. In that particular instance, he finished that fight. Yeah, but I guess he only finished the fight because he was fighting such an inferior opponent. Nothing personal to Matt Serra, but Matt Serra's heydays were way back, and even then, they weren't that hay of a day, so... Well, at least he has something to put in his resume. I won the light... I won the welterweight championship away from GSP. That's something a lot of people can't say. Yeah, well, we'll see if Nick Diaz can say that. That's uh, a fight that's upcoming. We wish uh, Nick all the best of luck in GSP. Uh, I cannot wait to see that one. Let's hope he desires just to get poked out again, like the last fight. Uh, well, he's not fighting... Uh, Josh. He's not fighting Josh Koscheck, who's a notorious cheat. He's not fighting BJ Penn, who seems to live that eye gouge, so maybe he's got a hope. All right, um, on. Moving okay. on, we do have a sad note. Sean Tompkins, who's a... Uh, a Canadian trainer. He was with the IFL while it was going. He's been with Extreme Couture, and he left there, I believe, in 2009. Uh, he's a pretty famous trainer. He's uh, died today at age 37. It's uh, very unfortunate. He's behind a wife who, um, today in a statement, she said that uh, they're not entirely sure what happened. He just didn't wake up this morning, and an autopsy will be performed. Uh, we wish uh, his wife and his family all the best. Uh, in other news... The UFC has announced that uh, the newest Undisputed game is going to be released in 2012. Um, pretty much the same game as before, I would assume, with Dana White raving about how it's changed and how it's <laughs> changing video gaming and everything like that. I'm pretty sure it's not, but who, hey, am, I to, who am I to judge? Who, who are you to judge, Dana? Yeah. So uh, now we get to uh, one of our weekly segments. It is uh, who is channeling their inner son in this week. So we're going to dedicate it to uh, the person who went on the best rant, said the best line, uh, pretty much decided to just uh, talk the biggest amount of shit about someone, whether they deserved it or not. Uh, our inaugural um, shit-talking award, channeling their inner Chael Sonnen, this week goes to the one and only Chael Sonnen, 
who uh, said he was excited to uh, fight Brian Stan. Um, they'll be fighting at an upcoming UFC event. Um, and he's excited because as the champ, he's excited to fight the number one contender. Um, apparently, uh, Chael has simply disregarded the fifth round of his fight with Anderson Silva. Um, and he feels that he is the champ, having beaten Anderson for four rounds. And therefore, he feels that uh, Stan is the number one contender. And he's so, the champion. So, so <laughs> Chael, I am just... You're the champ, you're the man in your head, and I don't think anybody else in the world would have said that. Therefore, you this week, you deserve to be channeling your inner Chael Son an award. Yes, you do. Um, so, thank you very much all for listening. That is our inaugural podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we do encourage everybody to send us an email. Our email address will be at Gmail. Uh, it'd be Jack Daniel MMA at Gmail. So there's no space, no underscores, no anything, just straight Jack Daniel MMA at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter. Yes, also Jack Daniel MMA. So feel free to follow us at Twitter. Send us any questions you have, any emails. We will be sure to read them. Uh, in general, if we get a lot of them, we'll just leave them towards the end. So that if uh, you know people want to listen to the news and such, they can listen to the news and the emails will be at the end. We encourage everybody to write in, tell us you love us, tell us you hate us, ask us questions. Uh, we're more than happy to hear from anybody. And uh, again, you know any topics that we bring up, any thoughts that you have on what we've said, upcoming fights or fights in the past, feel free to let us know. So we thank you all for your time and have yourselves a good week. See you next week, Monday. See you next week. Bye.